Turn in your Bibles this morning to Psalms 28. Before you stand, uh, before you do, I just want to acknowledge one person. Carol, where are you at? Carol Martinez? Would you invest to just stand real quickly? Y'all, would you bless them this morning? I'll tell you who they are. Carol and his wife, Vesta, longtime ministry friends of ours. Uh, I'm getting to the important part. I've known him forever. We were youth pastors at the same time, did camps all together. I preached for him in Adel. But the important thing is that he invests our grandparents to Olive. So that's what y'all need to know, that their grandparents is. Good to have y'all with us, brother. And so glad to be able to worship the Lord with you. Stand with us uh, this morning, Psalms 28. Psalms 28. And then on the screen, we will be going to Mark 11 and 2 Corinthians 12. Psalms 28, 1 and 2. If you're there, say amen. It's to you, O Lord, that I call. You're my rock. Be not deaf to me. Because, O Lord, if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down into the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help. When I lift up my hands towards your most holy sanctuary. Mark eleven twenty four, Very familiar passage of scripture. Made famous through many charismatic Pentecostal uh, ministries, often out of context, but nonetheless. Jesus said these words, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 7. Is this on your screen? And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And for this thing I besought, I asked, I prayed to the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And all God said was, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, this is just so deep and heavy, this phrase. Paul said, therefore, I am choosing to take pleasure in infirmity. I'm going to take pleasure in reproaches and persecutions and distresses. For Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. Would you please take a moment and in all seriousness, pray for me as I pray for myself. For God's spirit to reside on these words. Father, I just humble myself before you today. And I submit myself to you, uh, an unprofitable servant at best. But as Wade says, I know I'm yours, and I know you've called me. You've given me an assignment to teach and preach. And I recognize that without your spirit, without the anointing of your spirit, then it's nothing more than line upon line, precept upon precept, and the letter killeth. But it's the spirit that giveth life. 
So use me today, Lord, for your glory. Let me answer the question to someone's cry today. Let me put balm on the bleeding soul. Let me bring peace to the troubled heart through your word. Sanctify us through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Many a believer has become wounded, bitter, accusational, and even prodigal, leaving the very Lord that bought them because of the pain and disillusionment of unanswered prayer. I can't tell you how many people I know that are shipwrecked today because of unanswered prayer. God not answering seemingly at all or God answering no. I've got the hyper charismatics on this side that tell me that if you say it right and you quote the Bible right and you think right and confess right, that God has to answer a certain way. And then you've got the people that don't believe hardly at all. And it's just case Sarah, Sarah, what will be, will be, you know, and we'll just deal with it. And somewhere in the middle is the life of the believer where we have David that identifies with us and said, Lord, if, if you don't hear my prayer, if I don't know that you hear my prayer, my life is a perpetual pit. If I don't have anybody in this world but me, then, then I, I'm, I feel like I'm always clawing to get out of a hole. And then I have Jesus telling me, you know, that hitherto you've asked nothing in my name, but ask that your joy might be full. Whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you shall receive them and you shall have them. And then I hear Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, say that this messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me, a demon force, to torment him, to keep him from pride. And he said, and I asked the Lord three times, do you think he used Jesus' name? He met him on the Damascus Road, the resurrected Christ. He taught us the gospel of salvation. He taught us the doctrines of the, uh, the, the, old, the Jews and the Gentiles becoming one body. He, he, he literally penned the New Testament. Yes, he sought the Lord in God's name, for God's sake, for God's glory. And God said, nope. This frustration already, and some of y'all are saying, hit it, preacher, hit it, hit it. This is what I need to know. You have to have a theology for unanswered prayer. If you don't, you're going to be diluted, distorted, polluted in heart. And your flower won't have the fragrance it's supposed to have. Your hands won't have the power they're supposed to have. Your words won't have the influence they're supposed to have. Your countenance will not have the joy it's supposed to have. We must know the continuous context. Not a verse pulled out, but a continuous context, context that teaches us God's view and God's purpose and God's intentions and desires and, and destinations of prayer because it was his idea. If in doubt, go to the instructions. That's what we should do in every facet of our life anyway with the word of God. I can hear it in the voice of Mary and Martha when they said, to, they sent a message to the Lord, the one that you love is sick. It's a type of prayer. Lord, Lazarus is sick. And when he died and Jesus showed up three days later, 
uh, after Lazarus was dead, the first thing they said was, if you'd have just been here, he wouldn't have died. If you would have answered the request, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And the three Hebrew boys, I can hear it when they said, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from this burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But did you notice that God did not deliver them from? He delivered them through. They were not kept from the fiery furnace. The Bible speaks in Hebrews 11. And I know I'm giving a lot of foundation, but it's imperative to get the other points. You've got to see there's a paradox you have to be okay with. You have to be able to bounce off the buoys of Hebrews 11 where women received their dead back to life. They quenched uh, the, the violence of flames. They escaped the edge of the sword. They, they, they did exploits and incredible miracles. And by faith, uh, they pleased God and Abram being past, being past age and Sarah being past age. They believed and God answered and God answered and God moved and God delivered and there were others. Look it up. Hebrews 11, and there were others who wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, and they were persecuted and maligned. And uh, they, the Bible said that, that they, the world was not worthy of them. And they obtained a good report through faith. So they believed, but they didn't get the angelic deliverance. They got the sword ran through their belly, and they died. Have I got your attention this morning? What do we do? We develop a theology of an answered prayer. And that theology will carry you through the most difficult of times. If you're taking notes, number one. Sometimes we are unanswered because of the prayers themselves. James says, you have not because you ask not. Sometimes we just mention something to God and that's not prayer. An unoffered prayer is only an opinion. And God doesn't answer opinions. Let your request be made known to God with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. They're unanswered because they are prayed to an illegitimate counterfeit God. Many churches, I would say in the West, most churches have been influenced by and deceived by new age, ancient occultic ideas which manipulate and or bypass God altogether to obtain that which is desired by any means necessary. One of the reasons God does not answer prayer is because we're looking with inside ourselves for the answer. We pray a prayer, but we look to ourselves. We look for a divine light, a divine power, a source. We look for it in meditation. We look for it in mantras. We look for it in beads. We look for it in numbers. And prayer is about reducing your sources. Prayer is the reduction of all sources till I get to God and God alone. I will not look to man or to horses or chariots or my youth or my strength or my resources. My help cometh from the Lord that made heaven and earth. God doesn't answer prayers when our prayers are built upon faulty foundations. Anytime that you hear the words always, never, God must, God is bound to. To anything to, to, about prayer, when you hear someone teaching, uh, God is bound to this and God must do a certain thing. Anything that removes God's right and sovereignty to answer in his way and or timing is not Christian but occultic. Anything 
that takes the results away from God. If I stand and I quote it and I say it, God must. No, you need to back up and take night classes. God doesn't must nothing. He is altogether different than us. He said, you thought my ways were altogether like your ways. Don't confuse my invitation to pray and to join me in this working out of my intentions and desires for you, for you being the God of your life. Because I know missing pieces that you don't know. I ha- See, you, have, you are praying based on misinformation and disinformation and incomplete information. And I know the beginning from the end. Before your mother met your father, I knew what you'd be wearing on this stage today, John. Y'all, you've been with me a while. Some have done this before. But for the new people, just bear with me and play along. You'll never forget it. I'm just a simple... Someone told me not too long ago, they go, I love how you just break stuff down to, to simplicity. To, I said, no, I didn't break it down. That's how I got it. That's, that's how I get it. It just, it's just easy. <laughs> Ain't no breaking down. I give it to you like I get bread, I give you bread. All right, just play along with me. Two plus two plus two is what? Are you sure? Are you positive? Wrong, it's eight. You get, what do you mean? It, no, it's eight. Oh, I forgot to tell you they add the other two. And you go, well, that's ridiculous. No, that's modern prayer. We are basing our prayers on misinformation. And God is answering our prayers on complete information. He sees what we don't see. He knows what we don't know. And he will do what we can't do. So prayer is not about manipulating God to get with it. It's about bringing our requests, our desires, our burdens, and then submitting them to him as our only source saying, now I trust you, even if I'm dying here, I I trust you to do what is right and do what is according to your nature, not my carnal desire. And that theology puts you in a secure place. Many prayers are offered through unacceptable channels. The Bible says that my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Anything that bypasses the sovereign rule of God in a specific situation. Or looks inside of man or goes outside of God to tap into some divine power, power or energy is demonic. The law of attraction, demonic. The power of I am, whatever you say after I am happens, demonic. Confession, visualization. I remember early on in my faith, someone gave me the book, The Fourth Dimension by Paul Yonggi Cho, who happened to be the pastor of the world's largest church. So being that I was preaching to 12, I thought he might know something I didn't know, so you know, I started reading that book, and in essence, the book was and sprinkled with Jesus. You know, you just, it's like if you had, a, uh, you know, a book and you just sprinkled just, or a sandwich and just a little bit of salt and said, that's salt. No, it's a sandwich with a little bit of salt, you know. So the book was, in essence, this, the fourth dimension. Where you live is three dimensions, but if you will close your eyes and visualize what you want the answer to be, Where's God? No, we'll talk about God later. You just visualize, close, close your eyes, settle your mind and hearts. Just new age principles. Same girl, 
uh, from thousands of years ago in a different dress. It's not new. It's old age in a new dress. Close your eyes. See it. Say it. Seize it. And then thank the Lord and say, look what God did. You don't think the devil will answer prayers? To steer you away from the only channel by which man can be heard praying in the name of Jesus for the sake of Jesus resulting in glory to Jesus. Jesus' name on the end of something does not make it a Jesus-centered prayer. Not many amens, but it's a lot of facts for you. Many prayers are unanswered because they're empowered by personal lust. James 4.3 said, We ask and receive not because we ask amiss, because we pray these things to consume it upon our own lust. Well, why would he say whatever things you desire if he doesn't want to pray what we desire? If he doesn't want us to have the things we desire. What he wants to bring about is a change from praying your carnal desires to spiritual desires. From temporal desires to eternal desires. From demanded desires to surrendered desires. God wants us to to believe that as the birds of the air don't have to worry about where their meal comes, that we won't spend our time praying over carnal things because our Heavenly Father already knows what we have need of. And He said, I'm going to supply all of your need. All of your need. And the reason I don't answer your prayers is because all you pray about is needs. And you're praying it to consume it upon yourself. And I said, I will take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. I've shared this before. It's just the realest illustrations I have. If I were to walk in and see my wife at the table and my little girls and my little boy, and they're all anxious and pacing and shaking, and I go, what's wrong? What's wrong? We just, we don't know if you're going to feed us. Like, what? We don't know if we're going to have a place to live, or I don't know if I'm going to have any clothes. Now, please take this in context. I am getting older. Body's starting to fail a little bit. Brain's starting to slip a little bit. I'm a limited resource. But if I'm breathing, and any man worth his salt... If he's breathing, everything he has goes to his family. Nothing could hurt me worse than if I knelt on the floor and I said, Elisha, you don't think daddy would feed you? No, sir. Can you imagine what the Father in heaven sees and thinks when all of our prayer is about the most basic of things? And Wade said it. He said, if I spared not my own son, but delivered him up for you, don't you think I now with him freely will give you all these other things? Our prayers are unanswered because they're often outside the boundaries of the will of God. Hey, look, God granted me my new husband. Look, I left my old one because God told I've had him tell me this. I said, who's this? That's my new husband. What happened to your old husband? Oh, the Lord told me I married wrong. I shouldn't have married him. I got this one. I'm like, you ever been around people and you just put up the lightning rod and said, hit them, Lord. Don't hit me. I ain't, I ain't saying that. 
All right. Number two. Number two will go by very quickly, but it's very truthful. Sometimes we're unanswered because of our sin. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear my prayer. It seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? 1987. I'm teaching my first adult Bible Sunday school class. Been saved a year. A lot of wisdom flowed from that little podium. <laughs> and I'm co-teaching with a guy that's been in there for several years, but they're giving me an opportunity. And, oh, how much should I tell you? Uh, the pastor really sent me in there to kill the Sunday school class. That's what he told me. Yeah, he said, just, I said, kill it. He goes, just go in there and preach. Just whatever comes on your heart. Just, just teach. So I get in there, you know, and they've got their little book, and they're going through, and I'm teaching. I said, the Bible says if we regard iniquity in our heart, God does not even hear our prayer. And the co-teacher stood up in the class with his Bible under his arm and his notebook. He said, I had sin in my life, and God heard my prayer. So I'm thinking, I've been saved in about less than two years. I'm thinking, oh, that's why you sent me in here. All these demons in here. We got a demon teaching. What? Yeah. And I said, what? He said, I've had sin in my life and God heard my prayer. So I'm brand new in the faith. I've never been to Bible college, never took the class on tact or anything. I said, well, I got the scripture right here. I said, God said he didn't hear it. So one of you is lying and being that God doesn't lie, I guess that leaves you. He slammed his Bible his wife got up behind him. She was the bouncer of the two. She got up behind him. And they stormed out and their friends stormed out. And I looked at the people. I said, how readest thou? This is our problem. We can stare the word of God in the face and create a theology separate from that. If I'm knowingly, willfully, and Wade addressed it, yes, we fail. But we repent. We turn away from it. We confess it and turn away from it. If we knowingly, willfully harbor sin in our life, God said, I'm not listening to you. So I submit to you, why would God answer a prayer he's not listening to? Proverbs 28, 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the word of God, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Sometimes it's sin. Number three, sometimes it's because of our heart. Our heart filled with unbelief. The Bible says in Matthew 13 that Jesus did not many mighty works because of unbelief. Our heart is filled with double-mindedness. James 1 says, but when we pray, ask in faith, nothing wavering. Nothing wavering. When you pray, no more wavering. Once you started the prayer, that's it. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So there it is. So if I stand in faith believing and I cannot waver, I now enter vulnerability. So if I'm not delivered from the burning fiery furnace, if I'm believing God to be delivered from jail and I'm not delivered from jail, if they've got a sword to my neck and I believe for deliverance and they kill me, 
then I look like a fool. That's what it boils down to. I believed and God didn't. So either I'm a fool or he's a fake. No. There's a division between this world. God does not close his books in this world. And in the next one. Which reveals that God said, I did not answer the prayer of deliverance. I answered a prayer that they prayed before that. That their life would bring me glory. And here is your martyr's crown. Do you see? I don't know who this is for this morning. You said, God has not answered my prayer. Maybe it's because he's answered a previous prayer. You prayed, Lord, whatever you do, don't let me stray away from your best for my life. Don't let me stray away from your heart. And everywhere you're going, you're hitting an impasse and you're hitting an impasse. And you're praying against the impasse. And you're finding two to agree with you as to touching this one thing. Whatsoever you'd ask, be thou removed and be thou planted in the sea. And the impasse is not moving. And we decide that God is not answering prayer. And he said, I've been more faithful to you than you ever realize. I'm not answering that prayer Because I'm answering a previous prayer. Let me give you a practical dilemma. I've been kind of heavy so far. So, two football teams are playing. Who played yesterday? (laughs) Georgia played somebody. Vanderbilt. Okay. Now, I'm not being funny. I'm asking you. So, you can take... I'm going to show you what out of context will do. Any Vandy fans? I'm, I'm not a fan. Okay. Hey. Okay. Oh yeah, Hub played for Vanderbilt. Yeah, Hub. Hub, biggest man. I just very few people intimidate me. If you cast a shadow on me, you know, her husband played for Vanderbilt. Okay, so here we are, and I'm being silly to drive home a point. Whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. Out of context, we're gonna pull it out of context. That's my verse. That's my life verse. Got a, I got a magic wand. Is what I. I'm going to pray in Jesus' name. And I'm not being sacrilegious. I'm letting you see absurdity that Vandy wins today. I'm praying it in Jesus' name. So somebody else's baby played on the Bulldogs. Lord, I'm praying in Jesus' name that the dogs win. How can God answer both? I'm asking you. I'm praying in Jesus' name. How can God answer both? You cannot reduce God's invitations and promises down to one slice of time in the earth. Because if there's any exception to your theology, then it's a faulty theology. How can God answer that prayer and that prayer? You have to trust that the righteous judge of the Lord will do rightly. And yesterday he did rightly, you know, the way it turned out. (laughs) And I'm not a Georgia fan. My wife, she's an alumni, so I thought I'd do it. This is a whole nother sermon, but listen. Unforgiveness. Mark 11, 24. Whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. No exception. And nobody ever quotes verse 25. And when you stand praying, forgive. Oh, that's context. That, there you Context will mess up a theology, but it'll build a right one. You can't stand before me with your heart any old kind of way. You can't come before me asking for grace when you're living in law against this person. 
And I hit something then. You can't come before me forgiven and un- not forgive somebody else because if you don't forgive men your tr- their trespasses, I will not forgive you. And unforgiven men aren't answered. You see? And in marriage, the Bible speaks of a mutual submission being joint heirs, joint heirs of the grace of God. In my generation, the most misquoted, misapplied doctrine that I heard, one of them, I should say, was submission. Woman, submit to the man. Submit to the man. Submit to the man. You got to submit. Which meant, submission meant mindless, voiceless, opinionless servitude. Where'd they get that definition? From a man. Before you get into submission from the woman, there's a qualification for the man. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Who wouldn't submit to someone that would die for you? Who wouldn't submit to someone that will stand in front of you and saying, I am he, let them go. Who wouldn't submit to one that would give his life a ransom for you and, and die that you would live? And the Bible tells husbands, uh, submit yourself one to another uh, uh, with a mutual submission. John, that your prayers be not hindered. It's embarrassing, but it's human and it's real and I want to share this with you. You know, if you've been married longer than two weeks, you've had a disagreement. You know how you feel when you come to church when you and your wife aren't doing good? Or you and your husband aren't doing good? Do you have any idea how it feels to come to preach? No, I'm, I'm not being funny. you have any idea? It's not often. But there are several mornings over the last 10 years. Where I fear the Lord. And right before we preach. Even if we can hardly talk. I'll lean over and I'll say, I'm very sorry, will you forgive me? Because how can I expect him to use a man that he's not even listening to? Now, has it worked out? No, because I hadn't given in yet. That's what both sides will say, right? But the Bible speaks of your prayers being hindered in how you deal with your spouse. Submission, women... Doesn't mean he has to be like Jesus for you to submit, but God's expecting him to do that. Submission is an act of your will, not a force. You are taking a step back. You may be smarter. You may not be. You may be more educated. May not be. You may be more gifted or not be. Your submission is an act of your will preferring him based on the request of your Lord. It's hard to follow somebody that's not as smart as you. Don't poke nobody. Don't elbow nobody. <laughs> all right. Now, 10 minutes to go. All of that was to set up this. But what of the faithful? What of the faith filled among us today? What of you that have stood in prayer? Your life has been built upon prayer. You taught your children to pray and you taught your grandchildren to pray. You've prayed according to the word of God, bound by the will of God, through the faith of God, for the glory of God, 
and God did not answer your prayer or does not answer your prayer or has not answered your prayer? What of the child that died or the baby that was never born? What of the marriage that ended while one stood in faith believing? What of the person that everyone prayed for that died anyway? What of the sons and daughters who never came home from war and the prodigals that never came home at all? What happened to our prayers? Where did they go? And were they for nothing? Did they even matter at all? God, when I've given you my life, as flawed as it is, but it's all I have, fickle as I am, but I'm, all I have is yours, and I stand out on nothing but your word, I make myself vulnerable, and I say, my child will live. I say, my spouse will come home. I say that my mama's cancer will be healed or my dad's cancer. And the wife doesn't come home. The spouse doesn't live. The prodigal doesn't. What, what, do, you, what do you do? There's no way for me to overemphasize what I'm about to tell you except to set it up and tell you that there is no exaggeration in the statement I'm about to give you. Nothing in my life has brought me greater joy than answered prayer. And nothing in my life has hurt me deeper than unanswered prayer. I spent several years in that grill praying. I lost 50 pounds praying for something. I longed to die. I told the Lord often, I said, I'll never take my life because of what it would do to your church and to people. But if you've ever loved me, just take, just take me home, I, I, I beg you. Since he wouldn't answer the one prayer, and I, there was such sorrow. And I'm, trying, I'm trying to share you the impact of it without sounding like a martyr because I'm not a martyr. God has been good to me. Owes me nothing. I don't have no grounds for divorce from him. But I can't walk in that grill the same since those years. Every time I walk in it or through it, I think of those seasons where my soul felt like it was being ripped in half. And I was thinking, all you got to do is answer. That, that's all you got to do. Mary and Martha, Lord, all you had to do was come. All, all you had to do, you, you open blind eyes, you heal deaf ears, you walk on water, you multiply fish. All you have to do was come. And he didn't come. Lynn, if you would come to the piano, please. And if you would turn just the piano down for me. There's two in my life. There was that and the unanswered. And my daddy when I was a little boy. 
I prayed. I prayed. I fasted as a little boy. I, I didn't eat. I told everybody in my school God was going to heal my daddy, and he withered away and rotted before my eyes. Got sick when I was nine. He died when I was 11. And uh, he was 6'1", and when he died, he weighed like 96 pounds. Something happened to me that day. And that unanswered prayer, the devil uses, the devil uses moments like that to turn people, to put seeds of doubt and, and, and awe and unforgiveness and questions. All God had to do. So here's my buddy up the street, Ronnie, who's my age. His daddy's a, a, a raging alcoholic, beats his wife and kids. He's healthy and my daddy dies. All I know to tell you, I'm not putting it off on the Lord, is from 11 till 24. I didn't want nothing to do with him. Because as a little boy, I didn't have a theology for an answered prayer. So I get saved, I get married, go into ministry. Crisis happens, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. I stand on this stage and I remember saying, put the television cameras on me. God's going to answer this prayer. Made myself vulnerable. And he didn't do what I thought he was going to do. Maybe you find yourself there today. I had a third one, not nearly as strong, not nearly as heavy, but it stirred up all the other feelings. A couple weeks ago, we heard about a pregnant girl in New York. I won't give the name. I didn't know her. Someone local knew her, and she was considering having an abortion. And we got on the phone. We called people and said, tell her, we'll take, we'll take the child. We'll take the child. I asked her, I said, just tell her to friend me on Facebook. I'll never write her. Just let her see my family. Let her see our kids. Tell her our adoption stories. We'll take the child. I asked people on Facebook, just generically, pray with us about this unborn child. We'll take the child. We'll raise the baby joyfully. The mama terminated the baby. And I'm thinking... What's the use of this vehicle if I can't steer the car to where I want it to go? And heaven is silent and God would say to us, I'm the Lord. Where were you when I made the world? Where were you when I stepped out on nothing? I'm going to piece this together. I'm going to show you my glory. And in the end, every knee will bow. Not out of, out of, of beating. But they'll say, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Every denial, every delay will be answered in the resurrection. What to remember when you're unanswered or God says no. Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Okay, John, time out. That little life that never came to life. I'm sorry. I can't buy into that. Well, what if it was going to be a little girl? And what if she was going to be abducted and abused for you? I don't know. 
What if it was going to be a little boy and he was going to suffer every day of his life? You know what I prayed then? God, take him home. God, take him home. God, take him home. You got to be able to be okay with the I don't know. I don't know why, but I know who. And I trust you with my history. I trust you with my present. And I trust you with my tomorrow. God is perfect to the person here today that's struggling with unanswered prayer. God is too wise to make a mistake and too loving to be unkind. And he cannot lie. He will not lie. He shall not lie. God is often doing more than one thing at a time. There's a timing. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth the Son made of a woman made under the law. There's a time to it. God is faithful, always near, always working, always accomplishing His will in you. God is sovereign in absolute control at all times in every place. And His strength is made perfect in your weakness. I want everyone to look this way. And in just a moment, we're going to give you a chance to come and pray. We're going to reduce our sources down to God alone. And the purpose of our prayer is not to get, you know, seven ways to get what you want from God. No, God, I want to give you what you want today. I'm going to give you childlike faith and trust. Here is my request in faith, in his name for his glory. But I trust you to know how to pick for me. So you pick for me, God. His grace is sufficient for you. He's not going to give you a grace. It's his grace. If you'd have hooked me up to a lie detector on this stage during that, I call them the dark years. And you just said, Pastor John, are you going to make it? I would have answered no. And the guy reading the test would say, he's telling you the truth. I didn't believe his grace was sufficient and it was sufficient anyway. Now from that, had God answered that prayer, which I know it was his will. He still got people's free will that he allows and other things. I get to marry this beautiful woman on this front row. I get three babies that I wouldn't swap for a hundred worlds, nor would she. What you need to know is at the end of every unanswered prayer, at the end of every frustration and desperation, it is the sufficient grace of God today that carries you to the blinding grace of God tomorrow. Yes! Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. As for the Lord, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to those that trust Him. So, Brother John, sum it up. I am unanswered today, but I am well taken care of. If you are struggling today, your heart is bruised if you are wounded. You, I may not be all the way there, but this was for me, God, and I'm going to respond. I want you to come and stand around this front as Leanne ministers this song to us today. Come on.
church family.
Church family, would you look this way right before we close? Just a moment. Lynn, if you'd keep playing for me. Um, very quick story for those new to our church. I gave my life to the Lord July 6, 86 as an adult. And within a couple of weeks, I felt God calling me to preach. I didn't know what I was going to tell anybody. And I said, Lord, I, I'll do it. You know, I'm, I'm just a Pop-Tart, but I'll do it, you know. I went and told my mom, I said, Mama, I think God's called me to preach. And she said, what? what? Never mind. I thought I, you know, because of my past, I didn't know if I'd burn all my bridges. She goes, what did you say? And I said, Mama, I think God's called me to preach. She says, sit down, I want to tell you something. Give you the cliff notes. She said, right before your dad died, and my dad would come in and out of lucidity. He would know who he was, didn't. She said, he was so lucid. And I walked in and he said, Sandra, sit down. The angel of the Lord appeared to me last night. He'd never said anything about angels before his whole life. She said he did. And told me a little something about all of the children. Well, first of all, told me that I'm going home in three days. Where there'll be no hurry. I'll be able to say my goodbyes and die in your arms. It's just get my house in order. Time to go. And he told me a little something about all three of the kids. And she said, Johnny, before your daddy died, he said that the angel of the Lord told him, Johnny's going to run farther from me than any of the kids will. But Sandra, if you'll just believe, just believe, you're going to hear him say, Mama, I think God's called me to preach. And she said, this day is the word of the Lord fulfilled in my ears. Now, that's just one story. I, I know this was a message on unanswered prayer. But when you get to heaven, you're going to look back and realize so many more were answered. When you see through heaven's eyes. Oh, I love that old hymn. I know I got to quit. But it says, we'll get to heaven. We'll ask the reasons. He'll tell us why. You ain't going to ask nothing. You're going to be so happy to be there. You're not going to ask nothing. The poor person will be wealthy. The rejected person will be accepted. The sick person will be whole. The abused person will be loved beyond their wildest dreams. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. If you're unanswered, God still invites you to pray. God swears to listen, and he always answers. So whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them in his way and in his time for his glory. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.